out there. I know everybody's trying to avoid this whole uh, coronavirus situation. I am your host of Verbal Assault live stream. I am Marquis Devereaux, and we are coming to you remotely. As you all know, um, here in New York, we've had a bit of a lockdown, and we're one step away from martial law here. I am happy to say that uh, despite what's going on um, with our spaces, we are on 14 different sites. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Twitch. Uh, We're also on Patreon. You can support us if you like what you're hearing on Twitch or Patreon. We are also on Breaker, Listen Notes, Hub Hopper, Backtracks, Podpay, Blueberry and Pocket Cast. If you're on social media, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Vimeo, YouTube, Snapchat, and TikTok. So let me go ahead and introduce my panel. I'm coming to you from a laptop, so I hope that the vocal quality is as good as you normally get from us. First of all, I want to thank our director, Cole McManus, for putting this all together. Cole, I know you're not really going to be talking, but I just wanted to say hello to you there. Hello. (laughs) Then I have, uh, also joining us online, I have Evan. Evan, he he describes himself as left-leaning. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Marky? I am okay. I am okay now that we're online. Now, interestingly enough, with this whole coronavirus situation, I have someone joining us who used to live in China. He did not live in Wuhan. He lived in Shanghai. He is one of my closest friends, and interestingly enough, he is a Republican. And then he said he wasn't a Republican. He was just a Democrat that uh, preferred Trump's policies. So I would call him a Trumpocrat. Samuel Kuchera, how are you feeling today? I feel great. How are you? (laughs) Not bad. Your volume is a little bit down there, so I don't know if you can get closer to your speaker or if you got back on those earphones. I'm also going to say hello to Brian Parker. Brian Parker is a Democrat. He is he has went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and he has a background in political science. Sam Kuchera's background as an entrepreneur um, is somebody who's lived in Australia, and he's also done business in the Philippines. Uh, Evan, I know, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Evan? Sure. I've worked as a journalist and a filmmaker for a few years. Uh, I've spent a little bit of time in Southeast Asia, in, in Vietnam and Thailand. Uh, but you know, mostly I've, I've been based in New York and, uh, and enjoyed it. I've reported on a lot of things, uh, never an infectious disease that I can recall. So there's okay. that. All righty. So I wanted to, you know, we were, we had a subject that was planned for Monday, but I'm going to jump instead and go to uh, Tuesday's topic. Um, and I'm going to, it's called, uh, panic and paranoia, a mass pandemic out of control. Now. 
since we have started, we relaunched this podcast. We were coming from Brooklyn. And lately with this whole lockdown in New York City, where we're told that there can't be any congregating of people more than um, 50 persons. Um, I was even watching the Wendy show the other day and she had no audience, but she had her crew sitting in the audience and they were sort of her audience. Guys, are, have any of you left New York as a result of the coronavirus? No. No. Everybody, everybody, everybody's coming to us from New York City. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I, you know, at this point, I think leaving New York might be more dangerous than staying. Yeah. Well, well let me ask you. York, I, I heard you pipe in, Brian. New York has the highest rate, so I don't know if that's going to be um, good. I don't know if that's going to be factual, but New York has the highest rate at the moment across the country. But anyway, go on. Well, that's well, that's what I mean, right? Is it is if I if I were to leave the city, I would probably have to do it by some by like a bus or a train or something. So right there, I would be exposing myself. And then the other thing that I worry about too, being here in New York, which does have the highest rate, is you know if I leave and if fifty people like me leave and if a thousand people like me leave, you know statistically some of us have that virus and we're spreading it to to wherever we would be going, whether that's Correct. upstate or North Carolina or, or take your pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, when you mention statistics, here in New York City, there are 3,615 confirmed cases of the coronavirus. And out of a city of approximately 9 million people in uh, the borough of Manhattan, you're at 976. So the borough of Manhattan has approximately 1.4 million people, and you have 976 less than 1,000. In um, the Bronx, you have 436. In Queens, you have 980. and Brooklyn, you have 1,030, not to mention the 165 in Staten Island. So when we think about the scope of 9 million people, and we think about that we have less than 1,000 in each borough, um, we have less than 10,000 citywide. Should we still be panicked or should we simply be vigilant and make sure we're washing our hands, we're, 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 we're sterilizing and we're avoiding people with runny noses or who are coughing or sneezing? Um, you know, Sam, I'm going to let you go ahead and take this one since you're coming to us uh, from recently from China. Sure. So the first thing to take note of, how can you, can you hear me? Can you hear me fine? Uh, you, you come a little closer to the microphone, but we can't hear you. I am close to the microphone. Let's see. Um, that's good. Uh, go ahead. That's better? Better? No. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the first thing to remember is that this is a virus, not a bacteria. So um, viruses... Uh, travel pretty much in the air using moisture, so we just can call it droplets. Um, <clears throat> What's a cold travel 10 feet at maximum? What's the what? 10 feet? 10 feet. That's what they're saying. They're saying that uh, if you remain six feet, feet away. Six feet. six feet away is good. Yeah, what you don't want is someone to sneeze or cough on you. You don't want to be in distance. You don't want to be in like a, a moisture distance. So if uh, if someone sneezes, you don't want that sneeze to be able to, the, the, the droplets in the air, the moisture in the air to travel and to connect with you. 
So when you're saying to be vigilant, that's true. We should just be careful and, and make sure we don't touch our bodies or our faces uh, until we've washed our hands. You can touch anything. You can touch money. You can touch a doorknob. You can touch, you know, a pole in the train station or whatever. You can get something. You can get some some of that moisture pickup. If the virus is surviving in that moisture, we're taking that with. Okay. Um, you know, Brian Parker, I understand you to be a dad. And recently you brought your daughter to the studio. And from what I understand, uh, she lives in a Southern state, but she did come to visit uh, New, York, New York City and see what you do on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Your daughter is someone that I would think would need to be mindful if someone were to have the common cold or the common flu. Are you not already, as a parent, taking precautions to make sure that she is not exposed to some of these things, making sure she's washing her hands? Well, as a parent, the thing is is that you shouldn't wait for something like this to start doing them. That's why you do that when they're young, so you build that foundation foundation i'm sorry um but you want to make sure that you give them enough information this is really more about being armed with information as opposed to overreacting and panicking and and do you feel that people are overreacting right now i i call it panic because the word again that I use is vigilant and being mindful, washing your hands, sanitizing, sterilizing, and if we need to cover our mouths, cover our mouths. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I think some people have definitely panicked when you look at. Uh, supermarkets being emptied out, toilet paper being gone. Um, well, you know, it's funny because just as many people that are in that bucket, there are some people that just like, I don't give a shit. I'm young. My, my immune system is good. They're not thinking about who they may infect. They're thinking about, oh, well, I'm strong enough. My immune system is good enough, so I don't really have to worry about it, even if I get it. Or some of them are on TV watching people give misinformation about this pretty much the flu. So a lot of it is, when I said earlier about information, it's also about good and accurate information. Okay. Um, Brian, I don't know if you covered your microphone for a moment. You sounded a little bit muted, but but generally you were clear. Um, Evan, I'd like to ask you, because you're a little bit younger. How old are you, Evan? What am I now? 34. You're 34. Did yeah, you I don't ever... like a day past 40. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> did, did you ever partake in a spring break? No, never no, never like that. But I'll tell you, having having traveled and done kind of the backpacker thing in Southeast Asia, there's certainly I've been to to situations where you know it's like a backpacker bar and it's a bunch of kids in their twenties. Uh, you know, it's it's not spring break, but it's it's the same kind of party, probably. Okay, 
So there has been sort of this backlash that students that are traveling to Miami are, are exposing themselves and others to the virus. Now, the word has been that the virus cannot survive above a certain temperature. I'm asking because as a young person, do are you taking the same level of precautions or do you just feel that it's those with um, perhaps compromised immune systems or living in nursing homes or children that are more susceptible? No, I think, I think, I hope I'm taking every precaution and I think everyone should be, especially, you know, including those, those kids going to spring break in Miami. Look, the, the thing you're right with the numbers that, that when we look at it on paper, we say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't look like it's that many cases, but the thing to keep in mind here is a, obviously we don't have enough tests, so we don't really know how many cases we have, right? Mm-hmm. B, there's a lot of people who have it and don't show symptoms or, or are only showing you know, a little bit of symptoms that have a cough or a cold. And I think, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I've certainly been seeing this when uh, I, I have, I saw a post by somebody who ended up having coronavirus, but the first day he had a cough or a cold, uh, he said, oh, it's probably nothing. And he went to the gym and that's, it's, it's irresponsible, you know, but it's, it's something people do because a lot of people are, I think probably in, in some stage of denial with this is nobody wants to think they have it. So even people with a cough or a cold are probably still going about their daily lives and, and spreading it. But even if you don't have a cough or cold, the, the numbers on this, sure. Uh, the number of, of infections that we know about in New York city are, are low relative to the whole population. But what the other numbers we look at is how fast it spreads. And the, those numbers are very alarming. And the other one is, is the fatality rate. You know, the people keep comparing, they say, oh, the flu, you know, we only, we have 60,000 cases of the flu every, and, and, you know, something like that. But the, but the death rate is so much lower for the flu than it is for this. It's the, the stakes here are very high. So the precautions that, that I'm taking, I, I've barely left my apartment in, in over a week. Uh, and when I do, I, I, I haven't seen anybody. If I see, I just, I just went by my neighbor's place and talked to her through her, through her screen window. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh. It, it, it's, I, I, I get the idea here that, that, you know, we don't want to panic. We don't do these things, but we want to be vigilant. But for me, I think, I think vigilance means, you know, taking this seriously and it, and it does mean suspending and, and disrupting our, our way of life. That's panic. I think would be, I don't know what panic would be. Thankfully, I don't think we've seen it yet, except maybe right. people hoarding toilet paper. That's silly. Right. I don't know right. what that's about. But when we're but, hoarding- uh, when we're hoarding toilet paper and we're hoarding food and when we're buying up paper towels just in case the toilet paper r- runs out, is that not a form <laughs> of panic, Evan? Sure. That's that's a form of panic. And hopefully that that, uh, you know, we'll see that a bit a little bit when uh, when people, you know, I mean, people only need so Christ, it's New York. People can only keep so much toilet paper in their apartments. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, as, as we get into next week and the week after people stop hoarding and they, they start maybe just just buying what they need. Uh, yeah, but, but you know what? It, the truth is, we don't know how long we're going to be locked away like this. We don't. So, we yeah. Don't. So it, it's not oh, totally oh, irrational. Do y'all think it's okay. uh, Do y'all think it's really um, panic or do you think it's fear mongering? This buying up of toilet tissue you and know, all of this stuff. Come on. Let's think Sam, about that. I'm, I'm, okay. Sam, I'm glad you asked that question and I'm going to respond. Um, let's look at SARS in 2004. Let's look at bird flu in 2008. Let's look at swine flu in 2010. Let's look at MERS, M-E-R-S, in 2012. 
Let's look at Ebola in 2014. Let's look at Zika in 2016. Let's look at uh, Ebola again in 2018. And then, of course, we have uh, COVID, Corona COVID virus 19 and 2020. I did not mention mad cow disease and I did not mention um, uh, the Spanish flu. And I did not mention HIV AIDS because those are things that most of us are already aware of. Sam, I, I, in, in my opinion, as the host of this show, this seems to constantly happen in an election year in the United States. You haven't lived in the United States, so I don't know what you've dealt with in China, but doesn't it seem alarming to you, Sam? Alarming, yes. Panic worthy, no. Um, Mother Nature has a way of, of uh, straightening things out if we all just pay attention. Now, you, when you've got things that are going political, where you've got like the news, the, the even the president or not the president, maybe just, you know, one side or the other, left or right side, spreading fear mongering, talking about, you know, there's, there's going to be this shutdown and, and then how people in their minds are already referring or referencing what a shutdown means instead of paying attention to the news further right. to get the balance of the information. The balance of this information at this time is they're saying there is not going to be a national shutdown, but everyone is already thinking of a national shutdown. They're thinking of military. They're thinking of uh, FEMA, you know, camps where you're going to be locked away and locked down and no food and starvation and, and uh, population reduction. And who's saying that? You got all these things going on in people's minds. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, yeah, Brian. Add to this because we're already seeing this in New York. We're already seeing a requirement to not be out past eight. We've already got a Mexican border that shut down. We've already got a Canadian oh, border that shut down. Brian, what do you think? Well, I'm saying I hear that, but I watch the news every single day. I don't hear anybody saying that. I hear people talk about how the media is sensationalizing and reporting on them. What the fuck are they supposed to do? No one knows 100% everything about this virus. But they have to report on they know. So if people are dying, oh, well, we don't want to get people upset. So let's not tell them that they're dying. You got to do something. Okay, you so got to report the news and you got to be accurate about it. That's and right. You have to also let people know how bad could it get. Okay. Sam, you Why say- yeah, I want to say I agree with you. You're saying that you watch the news and it gets sensationalized and that it needs to be reported accurately. People also need to take responsibility and finish listening to the news so that they can receive it accurately. For example, but that's on the person, that's, that's right. not on the media whether they report it. That's right. For example, Marquis just mentioned how the borders are shut down, the Mexican border, the Can- the Canadian border. Is that correct? Yes, Marquis? Yes. Okay. So, yes, Marquis, what you, what you did not finish, you didn't finish the thought. The, the borders are shut down for civilian traffic, not for commerce and trade. That's what you did not finish. So, as you were saying earlier, is that the media... Is sensationalizing, yes, but the receipt the, the receiver needs to take in <clears throat> excuse me, the receiver needs to take in all of well, the Well no, the media did report. 
that is for essential travel. Marquis okay. just didn't say that. That's okay. what I'm saying. The receiver, Sam- the receiver, and therefore okay. it adds to it adds to the fear mongering if it is not spread properly. Anyone can take over. And Sam, I mean, how, how much plainer could they make it? And Sam, you're coming yeah, in and out of your microphone a little bit, so I just want you to be mindful of that. Um, I, I think, Marquis, yeah, Marquis, I think you do have a, a good point here, which is that you, this one, I think, I, I think this one we should take seriously. All, all the numbers point to this being a very infectious and very lethal and very contagious disease. I, I don't think anyone's challenging that, but, but I think you're right that it's if people aren't taking this seriously, it might have something to do with the fact that the media has had a a bad track record of blowing these things out of proportion and doing it uh, for political gain. And I think Ebola is a really good example of that. Oh, Ebola. I covered Ebola in 2014. And, and especially when it came to New York, I went and I camped outside the building where the, where the folks lived and, and did all that sort of thing. The, the, that was, that was an election year. It was a midterm election in Obama's second term. And when you look at the, – they've charted it out. When you chart out the the stories run on Ebola, it builds and builds and builds up to that midterm election day. And then the day after midterm elections, it goes it, – it drops precipitously like the stock market did this month. Like it, it, the, it was very clearly a story that was propagated and promoted with a political interest in mind, which was to, to make you – know, to sow discord and, and hurt Obama at, uh, in the midterm elections. That so so you're right. If people are having trouble uh, taking this seriously and saying, "Oh, this is just another one of those things they're ginning up to hurt the party that's in power," uh, I mean, they're wrong. I think in this case, but they could be forgiven for that because they were they would have been right about Ebola, and they might have been right about some of the previous viruses too. This one, unfortunately, the numbers just just look. This one is actually very very bad. Yes. Yes. Well, you I know, mean. I'm gonna I'm gonna add, and, and 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 Evan, I appreciate the fact that you mentioned that it's politically motivated by uh, on the way of the media, but here's the concern that I have right now. Uh, this we were informed of this as early as November, and one of the th- one of the discussions that I've had with Sam one on one, as I've said, I'm not understanding why we were aware that this was an issue. And the first thing that we didn't do is start amping up production on face masks, gas masks, Mm -hmm. and gloves, because we didn't know whether this was germ warfare or whether this was a virus or whether, whether, you know, it's simply a contagion that you get from touching surfaces. We had no idea. We're still getting information as we go. Um, what I would like to say is the fact that um, this is an election year coming up. Coincidentally enough, uh, we're in the middle of a Democratic primary between Bernie Sanders and between, uh, oh my goodness, Vice President, <laughs> thank you, Joe Biden and, and, and Bernie Sanders. Thank you. I don't it, know why the name wasn't there. I've had a long it's, night. It's because no one has seen him in a week. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that concerns me is you have states, and I believe one of the Carolinas, I believe it was North Carolina, they said they're canceling their primary. And the judge said that's not legal. It's against the law. And how does one know that if you need to vote via absentee ballot, that your vote is actually going to reach the place where the vote is tallied. How do we know that? Um, Brian Parker, does this, does this concern you on any level, having been from the South yourself? Oh, everything concerns me when it comes to voting in the South. I mean, the gerrymandering and 
mm-hmm. everything else that comes with the good old boy network. Um, that's not going to happen. People are going to revolt and they're going to demand that their votes be counted. So uh, think- there's not going to be a canceling of a primary. There's but not to allow people to vote by mail. Okay, but I, here's my here's my concern. If you are in your home, okay, in front of your TV, how do you not let that happen? How do you protest? Man, there's so much social media and everything out there today where you can put a lot of pressure on your uh, local and state uh, Congress and Senate. I mean, just because you've been ordered to stay in and everything like that, that's not suppressing your voice. That's your choice. Okay. Let me, let me, let me jump over to Sam for a minute. Sam, Sam is pro-Trump. And uh, we talked about the fact that the media utilizes this uh, for political gain. Sam, do you think this current situation is pro-Trump or anti-Trump? You mean the current situation referring with the virus? Well, right now you have an economy in New York State that is virtually at a standstill. You have an economy in California that is virtually at a standstill. Illinois, virtually standstill. Massachusetts, not far behind. These are areas with major economical value to the whole federal system. And yet everything's a lockdown. And when I say lockdown, meaning unless it's an essential service, the only people that are working at this time are working for the government, they're working in medical, or they're they're delivering food to those who are homebound. And let's not and the in the supermarkets are being inundated with applications because no one is 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 working right now. We're talking about giving funding to every American, but what do you do if the American is is uh, not working. What do you do if the uh, person is not documented? What do you do if someone is homeless and they don't have a home to receive a check? What happens then? Sam, I'm going to let you take that. <clears throat> All right, Marquis, I just should let you know that a good portion of your conversation, a good portion of your question was uh, was not clear. Um, but anyway, I think I got the gist of what you're asking me. Um, well, the original question was, does it is it is this a situation that benefits Trump or is this a situation that doesn't it does not look good for Trump? I, I don't look at it politically and I and 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 I don't think it should be. This is this is a people problem. This is a this is a human problem. And it should but that avoids the question. No, I don't mean to avoid the question. But what I'm saying is. Uh, you're you're making that a very political thing. As it, Trump didn't start this, uh, in fact, I didn't say I'm, sure most of us, I'm sure most of us are aware that uh, that you know this was like documented in a book, just a regular book, nearly 40 years ago. So this is not a thing that's actually new. Now, how it's affecting the economy? Yeah, we can all see it's it's devastating. It's devastating not only our economy but many economies across the globe. Um, it's a it's a it's a ripple effect. It started with China and it's, and it's rippled out and everyone is suffering. And I think it's a good wake-up call. Um, okay. It helps Trump, well, it helps Trump if he can beat this. It helps him if he can beat this. Me, when I say beat this, I mean if he, can, if he can provide the support that the people need and if he can provide income and if he can provide food 
and necessary things, essential items and things. Yeah, I think we I think it does benefit him because it shows his leadership. Okay, Brian Parker, do you feel like you've been provided for? No. And it's funny, the last word should have been the first word, leadership. This is why I've always said that a leader is tested in situations like this. Anybody can be a leader when nothing is going on. Wow. Hell, my kids could be a leader. But when an epidemic or whatever you want to call this is in front of you and you're taking a back seat and all of the mayor and the governors look more presidential than you do, yes, it can become political. It's not political in nature, but it's political in the fact that the person that holds the highest off in land does not know how to lead. Okay, Evan, you know, you have worked as a journalist and the the administration knew about this as early as November. We are now in March and states like New York and California are still still trying to solicit funds. These happen to be two of the most populated states uh, in the union. And states are still trying to solicit funds from the administration so that they can maintain their economies and have basic services. Evan, do you feel that you're provided for at this current time? Hell no. Provided by for by whom? Who, <laughs> who has provided me anything? No, wow. man. I I think listen, I I I think that that finally, you know, we're starting to see the city and the state do some good things with, you know, orders to shut down parks and orders to to close down spots where people can gather. And and to your earlier point, you know, I think you're right. That does raise some civil liberties concerns around things like, you know, groups assembling to protest. That's that's in the First Amendment and we should be allowed to do that. Uh, but, you know, it, right now that poses a, a huge public health risk, one one that would be lethal, not just to, to you or me, but to elderly people, to, to folks, uh, to doctors and nurses and, and healthcare workers. So so it's a it's a tough balancing act. Uh, but no, I think I think those are some of the right actions. Which Sam, you were about to add something. Yeah, I would like to know which way would he lean? You're saying it's a so tough I, I, I think so. All right, I, I think that the shutdowns are, are an unfortunate necessity. And and if you're asking, you know, what I do, I feel provided for or what would make me feel provided for. I think when you've right now in, in New York and California and Illinois, where we've we're, we've shut down essentially restaurants and, and bars and, and all sorts of small businesses. Right. And we've got all these people who can't get a paycheck. The, right. the first the first of the month is coming up and rent is going to be due. Meanwhile, they've suspended mortgage payments. They've suspended uh, uh, other they've, they've suspended evictions They've suspended all these things. The one thing they won't suspend are the things that all these working people need, which is rent. And right? utilities, they, utilities, right? And utility, rent, utilities, internet. We're seeing in other countries. They in in France, I believe, they've suspended all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the U.S., they where where they they're taking care of of owner the ownership class right but for the people who rent uh your rent is still going to be due on the first of the month and what do they think people are going to do if they can't go work at their restaurants and their bars what where do they expect people to come up with that money you know and and evan i'm going to add to your point one of the things that was very as a person who was formerly incarcerated when someone is restricted with movement um Mm -hmm. we uh 
and, and I, when someone is restricted from movement, we we can call that uh, we can call that social distancing if we want to. The word that I call it is isolation. Uh, when you're alone, when you're in your home, you're being isolated. When you're not allowed to leave your home, well, I'm sorry, that that's a restriction that borders on an incarceration because of the fact that you, uh, you know, they're saying now uh, only essential workers are allowed to leave their homes, only medical, only police, fire, uh, only government. Now, the fact that I'm coming to you and I'm recording on a laptop means that I had to leave my isolation. I had to get on public transportation. I got on two completely empty trains. I arrived at someone's home where they've allowed me to get onto their laptop. I went into the John. I used isopropyl alcohol for my hands as a precaution, and I got onto this laptop. The uh, I, I want to express to you all the media is one of the key essentials right now because if that internet goes off, how does one get their information? If they can't go to the supermarket or to the corner store to get a newspaper and the delivery boy is not riding on his bike to deliver the newspaper, um, do, do, do any of us see the value in the media at this time? And how are you getting your media? Um, Sam, how are you getting your media right now? Uh, there's cable and there's YouTube. Okay. It's paid for. Yes? Yes. And no, what, do, what do you not, do? How, how do? YouTube is not unless you're referring to the internet. Okay. So, so Sam, what do we do if we can't pay the utility bill and YouTube gets turned off? Or the internet gets turned off? Well... The cable provider. I was going to say just watching TV, regular TV, but I believe nowadays even that's paid for. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. Oh. Well, then I don't know. I don't know. I'm still yes. fresh back in the country, so you guys have a have a lot more information than I do. Okay, Brian Parker, what, what do you do um, if if your if your uh, if your electricity gets turned off and there was a state, I'd like to say there was a county in Florida where they were still turning off utilities and uh, they're still a, a holding people to their mortgages and they're evicting people from their apartments. Um, Brian Parker, what do you do? You said, what would I do? Uh, what do you do if you are suddenly you can't get your information via the Internet? Mm, that's a great question. Everything okay. is so connected now. That's a very hard question. I'm not okay. really sure. You're not able to answer the question, and I will receive that. Evan, what do you do without internet if you need to get your news in this I'd be shit out of luck without internet. I think we all would be shit out of luck without internet. And I think a, a situation like this is a perfect il illustration of why internet should be classified as, as a utility, the same yeah. as electricity, the same as water. It's, it's an essential part of keeping us safe and healthy and alive. And, and without, and, and we need more protections to, to make it accessible and make it, make it in a, especially in a time like this, make it so that people uh, can survive, can, can always access it. Uh, right now we're seeing in Europe, Netflix is, has agreed to stream its movies at a lower bit rate. 
so that uh, so that it eats up less bandwidth because right now, obviously, people are home. They're watching a lot of movies, which is fine. But, you know, it's eating up tons and tons of bandwidth and they need more Internet in order to, to provide the essential information and services to people. Uh, we might see that here in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, we don't know what's going to happen in the next two or three weeks. We do know that there's a discussion of a stimulus. We do know that, it, okay, well, we don't know, but in New York City, not New York State, but New York City, there is a discussion about a $12 billion. Uh, the word they did not use was stimulus, but they used a word that means putting money in the hands of every New Yorker. I believe the amount they gave was $500 per adult New Yorker and $250 for children. I don't know what children do with two hundred and fifty dollars, but I, I would think that by the time. But but it if we have cities and states stepping up, um, you know, Sam, do you think that everything is being done on a federal level that needs to happen? Um, everything is too encompassing, so I'm not going to say yes because I haven't looked at everything. But um, but I can say it goes back to the to the word leadership, and where counties and cities and governments, the mayors, everyone's doing their job, and the best leader does lead from behind. He has a team what? working with him, and he's put things out there, so the team is working at his direction. Um, Are they? So do I think? Yeah. So I think I think so. If if you have if you have something you want to say about it, I'm listening. Okay. The best leader leads from behind. Oh yeah, all generals. I disagree. All generals lead from no. Behind. You see a you see a general on no. the battlefield. No. no. Well, no, but you see the G. You see them train their people so that they know what the expectation is. So when they go out there. It's like saying a football coach leads from behind just because he's not on the field. He still that's calls the right. play. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what's happening. The mayors and everyone is doing everything at his direction. Hold on. Hold on. And I'm going to disagree with you. The mayor of New York City, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio, who uh, made a serendipitous run for uh, the presidency himself, ironically, um, he – is begging for funds from the federal government, begging for funds. Cuomo, who is the brother to Chris Cuomo of CNN fame, Governor Cuomo is also begging the Trump administration for funds. Uh, We don't have enough sanitizer. We don't have enough gas masks. We don't have enough medical supplies. We don't have enough hospital beds. And everyone is scrambling. Let me remind the panel that we have known about this virus since November. Now, Sam, you have lived in China. How long have you all been dealing with this dilemma? The dilemma only came to light late December, early January. So every time that you say that you've known about it from November, I'm trying to figure out where did you get that information? Because- But the key word you said was it came to light at the end of December. Yes. Which means there were people that knew about it earlier than that. As I mentioned earlier, it was actually known about and written in a book back in 1981. So, yes, there are people who are who have been aware. But this the release of this virus 
when it was released, whether it be by accident or by plan, grand design, who knows. But when it was released, it did not come to the public light until the end of December, early January. So I'm wow. not sure where you can go with this. Evan, um, Evan, do, do, you, do you feel that we're experiencing leadership on a federal level in the United States in regards to this? No, Jesus Christ, no. Uh, man, as late as, as late as what, March 9th, I think, uh, Trump was still tweeting and saying, you know, it's, it's really not that bad. It's like the flu. And I mean, that is, that is so the, 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 no one can set a better example right now than he can. No one has that power, has that pulpit to get out there and say, folks, we're going to have to make some difficult choices. Things are going to get, get rough for a little bit, but if we all do this, if we all play this the right way, and if we all make a little bit of sacrifices now, we won't have to make big, scary sacrifices later. He could get up there and say that, but instead he's just tried to downplay this from the very beginning and called it a Democrat hoax, and he had all of his friends on Fox News say the same thing. And and the result now is we're all hiding in our apartments, and we're going to be for a long time because we didn't make the right choices early to just mitigate this thing. Well, we're down to to five minutes, guys. So uh, I'd like to ask each of you, uh, Brian Parker, I'd like to start with you. Do you feel, uh, do you think this is something that we'll have control of in six months? Would you say it's going to be uh, uh, three months, three months, six months, a year? What do you think, Brian Parker? Go ahead. Honestly, if I said I knew, I'm in the wrong business. But what I will say is it doesn't seem like we've peaked off at all. We're just now starting to get certain states to believe that we need to put in the measures that New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, California, Illinois have done. So I think once we get everyone else to start buying in that we all need to do this together, then it'll start to crest off. But we know that we're going to have to make these changes before vaccination and everything else come out there. So do I think it'll be done in three months? No. I honestly don't think in the next six to nine months we'll truly be done with it. And I think I agree with you, Brian Parker. Evan, what's your take on this? I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not like Brian. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I don't know. But every you know, everything I'm reading points to... You know, it could be three months before before the the measures that we're taking right now are no longer needed. And then even then, you know, you don't want to get to this point where people say, "Okay, we're past the peak. Now I can go outside again. And then they start to congregate and go to the parks. And then then we get a second peak, you know, so it's it's who knows. And then the, the other possibility, too, is that this is. This is a yearly thing like the flu. And if it's a yearly thing, maybe, you know, maybe by next year, like the flu, we'll have vaccines and we can adjust year by year and then then it won't be as harmful. But uh, but we don't know. We don't. As far as I can tell, we don't know. Sam, you you lived in China and you were getting news about this and you had details well before a lot of citizens in the United States or even government government officials did. How long did China have to grapple with this before there was sort of a wind down in the numbers? <clears throat> well, apparently they've just begun to wind it down now. But personally, I don't, I don't actually trust and believe in everything that China puts out there. Um, also, another thing to note is that 
the Asian the Asian countries and the Southeast Asian countries, they um they've grappled with things like this before, and they're accustomed to wearing the masks, taking precautions, and also if you're talking about China in particular, well, if Xi Jinping were to say anything, the people are like robots and they just listen automatically. So, for them to grapple with it, they are they're doing it. Their numbers are dropping according to the reports. I'm not sure I believe it. Um, but I think that's that's a political move by by China. So, uh, not really sure. Not really sure. Okay. You know, I want to thank our panel because we're down to about two minutes here. I want to thank our panel for uh, going through the effort to tune in remotely. And I know we've had some microphone issues. Uh, Today's topic is, is, is extensive, and there are many things that we can go. Um, I'd like to bring you all back tomorrow when we're going to talk about the uh, sanitizer maker Purell that is a privately held company that is being told by the FDA not to make claims that it can kill the virus. <laughs> um, I, I want to go ahead and thank you, Evan, for being on our panel today. Um, Sam, Sam Kuchera, uh, we're glad to have you over from China to give your unique perspective. And, um, you know, as a registered independent and as a uh, non-Trump voter, and you are a Trump voter, you know, we don't always agree on everything. But I think your viewpoint at this time is extremely valuable. And I'd also like to thank Brian Parker for contributing to today's uh, broadcast. And as everyone knows, I am your host, Marquis Devereaux of Verbal Assault Livestream. We're happy to have you tuning in. We know it's difficult for some of you to get to your means of media, but we do hope you'll tune back in tomorrow when we discuss uh, Purell, Pure Hell, the FDA fight against claims of 99.99%. Thank you so much for watching. Yeah.